You're listening to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast, recorded in Cisco, Texas. For more information, please visit hallelujah.org. We hope you enjoy this message. I need hope that you're having a wonderful feast so far, first day. It's almost like an eight-day feast with the Sabbath at the front like it was. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, the uh, Catholics made a, made sure that uh, the, the Passover that the Jews kept would never fall on their on what they call Easter. And so I guess if they actually knew that this was the first high day and it came on Easter, they would be a little discouraged because uh, they don't like that to happen on the same day. In fact, they made uh, they made special care. If you didn't know this, they made special care so that Easter would never fall. And of course, this is not Passover, but they made a the Jews follow the the uh, calendar laid down by Hillel. So you know it always comes. They could, they already know where it is, so they make sure that Passover never comes on that same day. But uh, something else of interest: Norma's granddaughter. Ask if we celebrate Feaster. <laughs> so uh, there's kind of a mix there. Psalms 139 and 13 says, For you formed my innermost being. And so that's kind of some of the things I'll be speaking of today is our innermost being should be in tune with our Heavenly Father. And our theme, our theme for the feast is, you formed me. You know, if, if you read from Mark chapter 12, and I believe it's verse 32, it says, There is one L, and there is none other than he. So when we start reading from Psalms 139, understand that David was speaking to and about his heavenly father. And the very first verse of Psalm 139 says, Yahweh has searched me. And he knows me. And so I believe if you read this, if you read this psalm, you understand some of David's deepest thoughts. But think about that for yourself. Yahweh has searched you and he knows you. So that's quite a thought that he has seriously took time to look at our thoughts, our actions, and uh, how we interact with others. Or even how we interact with him. That also speaks to how I act or think when I'm all alone. Psalms 23 and 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's a little concerning sometimes when you have some of the thoughts that I have. Exact. I can't speak for the thoughts that you have. But I can certainly speak to the thoughts that I have. Sometimes it's distressing. Some of the thoughts that I have. And that's the... Solomon said in the Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But I would go on to say that what this 139th Psalm, and I will, as we continue through here, I want you to notice what this chapter points out is how close we are to Yahweh. You know, a famous poet said, when you have shut the door and you have made it secure, remember never to say that you are all alone, for you are not alone, but Yahweh is within and you know when we when we, we we all have our inner sanctum or our place where we feel secure and safe, it might be our bedroom, it might be a a prayer room, it might be your tent. 
But wherever it is, remember that you're never alone. A man by the name of Abed said everyone in a small way is the image of Yahweh. Of course, we've been, we've been told that we have been made in the image of Yahweh. And so, you know, a lot of the things that we do, we should be emulating the one that we're made in the image of. <clears throat> and I apologize for my voice. I stayed out too late last night singing as well. But it sure was fun, and I want to commend the uh, worship team for hanging with us till 10.30 last night. It was, it was indeed a wonderful outing, and I appreciate their part of that. We would have been a little bit lame if they hadn't been there since we were singing. But if we move down to verse 2, it says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. The book of Jeremiah In the very first chapter, you know, Jeremiah was a prophet of Yahweh. And in the very first chapter, in verse verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You know, that's quite a, that's quite a scripture. That, it's quite a thought that, that uh, before Jeremiah was even born, that Yahweh had appointed him a place and a time and a purpose on this earth. But as verse 2 says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You know my st- my thoughts from afar. So that's something that we should be very conscious of, that we we cannot hide from our Heavenly Father, so our thoughts should be pure. You know, Paul wrote uh, something very special about, I think I know where it is. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What we have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the Elohim of peace will be with you. If you'll you'll make a mark in your book, and uh, if you read that each day, notice what it says. There is anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. And that's what he said in the, in the 139th Psalm, that he knows our thoughts from afar. So our thoughts are very important, but he also knows when we rise up and when we sit down. And, uh, you know, that's a sort of, like I said, a sort of a frightening thought that he would know our thoughts. But he formed me. So, of course, he knows my thoughts from afar. And uh, verse 3 then says, You search out my path in my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You know, it's kind of a unique uh, verse in that he is acquainted with all of our ways. You know, each one of us have little peculiarities that we have. That's who makes us who we are. You know, sometimes someone 
you already know what they're going to, uh, some little motion or some little thing that they do. And uh, as they're talking or as, uh, or as, as you visit with them or you just, if you know them, they have their own little quirks and peculiarities or not even peculiarities, just their way. And so David mentions this in this verse here. You are acquainted with all my ways. And so it, it would have been interesting to know some of those peculiarities that David had. One of the things that uh, we know for sure that a fool says in his heart that there is no Elohim. So we want to stay far away from that thought. And uh, when it says, says in his heart, that is the same as a thought that he had. So to Yahweh, we're an open book. Yahweh knows my habits and your habits. He knows whatever we do because, again, he formed me. In verse 4, it says, Even before a word is on my tongue, O Yahweh, you know it altogether. So uh, when you, and Kyle gave a, a very fine sermon yesterday about communication, about interaction with each other, interaction with Yahweh. So before we say a word, know that Yahweh already knows what we're fixing to say. And so before we say a word, we still have the option to say it right rather than wrong. And uh, so if we say it right, then he already knew you were going to say it right. Of course, if you say it wrong, he already knew you was going to do that as well. Verse 5 says, Thou dost beset me behind and before. And last thy hand upon me. So if you look ahead, he is there. And if you look behind, he is there. One of the things that, I, that Joy and I have discussed through the years is some of the things, even some of the hard things that you go through in life. When you look back, you can see that our Heavenly Father was there. He was protecting. He was He was comforting and he was taking us along in our path but he was supporting us as we sometime when you're going through these things you can't see that support but as time passes and you have an opportunity to look back you can see those things that were a protection to you that were a comfort to you but Deuteronomy 28 and 6 says blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out and that is uh of course, for those, I think that's from the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, and it is speaking of those who keep his commandments and do his will, the things that he has prescribed for us as true believers to do. And so he knows our coming in and he knows our going out. He knows, as we look down the road, he knows what will happen to us. And certainly he knows what has happened to us. He knows our history as well. So he is well-versed in our failures as well as our triumphs and, and the good things that we have done or accomplished or the good things that have happened to us that someone else has done for us. But it also says here in this verse that he lays his hand upon, as David speaking said, and layeth thy hand upon me. There's another scripture that says that he engraved our name upon his hand. And so that's pretty intimate when he lays his hand upon us. And true, that could be a figure of speech, but I would love it even as a figure of speech. It is a a wonderful thought that he would be so intimate and close to us that he would protect us in that way. 
that he would lay his hand upon us. Verse 6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. So David, looking back on the marvel of life and the marvel of himself, having the life that he had, but also knowing how that he began being knit together, as it says further down in the verses, in his mother's womb. He was overcome, trying to take in the majesty and the wonder of it all. You know, I think that is something that if we spend a little time looking at the marvel of life, at the marvel of this creation, it it is overwhelming. It is something that we cannot actually fully take in. It's as simple as a, as a sunrise or a sunset. Every day, if we'd spend time looking, there's a beautiful sight to be seen, you know, unless it's foggy and misty, cloudy and those things. But even with the clouds, sometimes you see such interactions of, of light, such interaction of brilliance and color that is that is unbelievable. As David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Also, I, I have this sometime when I'm thinking of the how how wonderful it is that we have a creator that that loves music, that loves sound, that loves beauty, that loves order. <clears throat> The reason that uh, man could, and I know that some people might not even think that man has been to the moon. I personally do. And, uh, but the reason that they could get a man and get him to the moon is because of the, the, absolute, the absoluteness of the creation. That things work because he put them in a certain order, the mathematics. That's how, that's how that these things work because... He put them in. He put them in such a form that they work each and every time. Not just some of the time, but every time. That is how sure and powerful is his creation. Also, he created the creation with beauty. You know, that's uh, that's one thing that I know why that evolution is not true. Because if evolution was true, it'd be drab. It would be without beauty. It would be just something ugly that worked. If that could even be true, but anyway, he made it. He made it with emotion. He made it with all the things that we see—the color, and the uh, the sounds, and the taste. All these things. Why would why would we have the ability to taste something if we wasn't created so we could enjoy? And these are things that just come to mind. And I'm sure that uh, David being much more intimate than most people. I'm sure that he was thinking of some of these things. The wonder of a child being born. The wonder of a, of a little baby ever. If you see them, they're so perfect. Everything in miniature, but so perfect. You know, I do relate to the wonder and the awesomeness of a new life, of a new person. A new perfectly formed baby that came from two people, that his DNA can be wrapped around her DNA. And from that, 
a child looking like them both can be born in true perfection and beauty. So as David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. So when we consider a newborn baby or the fact that that child is to some extent made in the likeness of Yahweh, it is high and it is sometimes too wonderful to fully comprehend. You know, approximately 24 years ago, Joanne was pregnant with Andy, my youngest child. And uh, Andy's always been a wonderful child. She's been one of those special people. That, especially to be the youngest child, there's not many that could have done it better than she has. You know, most of the time they're supposed to be spoiled and all these things, but we were blessed that she was not like that. But this has, what I'm going to tell is not a whole lot about her, but it's about Joanne. And that is that she said that uh, when she was about nine months and six weeks past due, well, she, uh, she said, if I could only just be comfortable. I imagine many women that have been pregnant have thought that and said that maybe. If I could just be comfortable. Well, she finally got comfortable after she had Andy. And so from time to time, I still ask her, are you comfortable? <laughs> and uh, she says, I am. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. We've moved, we've moved on for past that 24 years ago thing that she was having, child that she was having. Maybe I should say it carefully here. <laughs> but it is indeed... The chapter goes on, and it is about children, about the, how each one of us is made and formed in such complexity. And so, uh, reading the writings of Paul, he, when he was writing to the Romans, he said, For what can be known about Yahweh is plain to them. So he, wasn't, he wrote it a little bit different than, uh, than David did, but he said, What you want to know about Yahweh is very plain. He goes on to write, Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. Carefully listen to what he says, that they have been been clearly, you could say clearly seen in the things that have been created. That's what Paul was saying. So they are without excuse. And I would, that applies to anyone who does not know that Yahweh is the creator and that he has been the reason for our creation. He goes on to say, so they are without excuse. For although they knew Yahweh, they did not honor him as Elohim or give thanks to him. So in the first century world that Paul lived in, you know, they had much of the same problem that we have, and that is arrogant people who do not want to admit that there is a creator and that this, this world has been created with design, intelligent design. And so Yahweh's nature, or who he is, can be seen in his creation. And as I said earlier, the flowers, the sunset, a baby deer, a baby person, a little puppy, a rain... You know, the sunsets. Every Just think of all the things that you see and admire and, and, and really enjoy. And uh, know that this is who Yahweh is. 
If you truly want to know who our Heavenly Father is, look at His creation. And you will find on every hand an abundance of evidence of who He is. And so again, that was why David was so consumed by the wonder of life. And Paul could say that they are without excuse. And uh, the more we learn about our planet and our universe, it is it over and over points out that there's an intelligent design and a creator who loves beauty and he loves us or he wouldn't have made such a wonderful place for us to live. You know, just like David, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And it's, it is very high. I think that even though there's been many centuries have passed and our, our languages have, well, this has been translated from his language to ours. I think that still is, pretty much describes that very well. It is too wonderful for me and it is very high. There was a poet that once said, the earth with her thousand voices praise Yahweh. You know, there's scriptures that indicate that uh, the, even the trees and the stars and uh, there's other things that that do, you know, evidently they, they, they have, there's a language that they speak that we can't hear because it speaks of them praising Yahweh. And, uh, and I'm assuming that he made the stars as well as all of the earth to praise him. The only thing that does not do what he designed them to do is mankind. So we have to be very careful that we do not disappoint our Father by doing something that we should not do. But we should be very careful to stay with his, in his design, even though he gives us free moral uh, latitude to do what we want to do. We should do what he wants us to do instead. So I would say that uh, the aspects of the of the stars and the trees and the, the 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 all of creation praise Yahweh, even if billions of people refuse to do that. Just think of that: that there's billion, there's at least seven billion people on this earth. How many of them truly worship the Heavenly Father? It would seem a bit discouraging, but then you think of the story before he he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah you know Abraham bargained with him and uh, he got him down to five if there's as many as five that he would not destroy it so I assume that's why he has not changed this earth and moved on to the year 7000 so to speak is because he he is very long suffering and does not wish that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from thy presence? So we are in a dilemma. No matter what we do, we are watched by Yahweh. Whether we do good deeds or evil deeds, Yahweh knows all of it. And so I would like for you to remember that. If nothing else, you remember from this sermon, you know, sometimes people give a sermon and somebody says, well, it was a good sermon. They said, well, what was it about? Well, I'm not real sure. And so I hope that you will remember this one thing that, you know, we have someone watching us. Just like when we're children and we have good parents or someone watching us. And so what are we going to do with the responsibility that we've been given? And that is to follow 
Yahweh to truly and, and do his laws. Understand that when we fail, that we still have a we still have a uh, atonement through his son Yeshua, so that we do not have to stay in that failed state. But that does not, as Paul said, then do we sin the more that grace should abound? He says, absolutely not. That does not give us free license. We're still we're still bound. As he says in another place, he would he would rather that you had obedience rather than sacrifice. So as he said here, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from thy presence? You know, there's not any place that we can flee from him. But I would go on to point out that uh, the good news, the news that it's called the gospel, that's the word in, in Greek that means good news. Said first, uh, I'll read from First John. And the blood of Yahshua, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, David also had failings, but his words are very humble as he asked for forgiveness. And I'll read a few verses from Psalm 51. He starts out and says, Against thee have I sinned. And he also said, I have done that which is evil. And he goes on, You, Yahweh, are justified in your sentence. Then he says, Create in me a clean heart. Cast me not away from thy presence. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And I will sing aloud of your deliverance. And that's a very small part of the 51st Psalm. But if you need an example of how to ask forgiveness, let me suggest that you read Psalms 31 and Psalms 51. It gives you very clear guidance. And uh, by someone who most of his life was very faithful. But again, as we just read, if you say you have no sin, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Because we all need the Messiah. We all need something that will save us from the error of our way. Since the Torah is only a mirror to reflect back to us and tell us what we've done wrong, it does not fix that wrong. Only through Yahshua can our wrongs be nullified and we can again be brought into the presence of our Heavenly Father through His blood. You know, First uh, Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from Yahweh? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify Yahweh in your body. What he's, what he's trying to tell these Corinthians was, you're supposed to live in a way so that you do not defile yourself and your body at the same time. He said that you were bought with a price. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 7 and 23, he repeats that. You were bought with a price. And Romans 21 and 1 says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Yahweh. So we have, we have a duty to do that we need to perform. Whether young or old, this is something that we need to think very seriously. That we, our, our bodies are given to us. Our spirit is within our body. You know, the spirit of Yahweh was given to us on the day we were baptized. We are to take very good care of that as we go through life. And that we should live a life that is worthy of that spirit. 
the spirit that Yahweh gave us. And uh, it says you were bought with a price. What do you think that means? It means that there was a death that someone had to pay. That's a very heavy price. Someone paid a very heavy price so that you could live. And that was our Savior. And this is the time of year to, re- to think about those and reflect on those things. You know, Yahweh formed me. So he has dominion, not only over me, but over the whole human race. And uh, so our focus should be on doing his will and doing the things that he requires of us to do and ask us to do. So we were bought with a great price, and that was the price of Yahshua. The story that we read the other night at Passover from the 15th chapter of Mark, it gives a, a stunning story of how that came about. So Yahweh has a plan of salvation. Romans 11 and 32 says, For Yahweh has consigned all men to sin, that he might have mercy upon all. And there's several places in the scriptures that mention that all men will sin. And Yahweh knew that. He knew that men were not perfect when he made them. He knew that if he gave them a choice, they might just choose the wrong thing, and that is what has happened. He says in one place, this one man, sin came into the world. Then he goes on to say that through one another man, that sin has been removed and forgiven. And he's speaking of Adam and then of Yeshua. So David, looking at the wonder of life and forgiveness and salvation, again, going back to what I said earlier, he said, it is too wonderful for me, too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Or he might even say, I cannot understand it, or I cannot uh, fully comprehend it. If you go on down, and I'll just briefly mention verse 8 before I close, and that is, it says, the wonder of staying close to Yahweh. In verse 8, it says, if I, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. That's another word for the grave. If I make my bed in the grave, you're there. So he has not excluded his creation or gone far away. He is not remote and distant, but he is very near. And uh, as if you read down through this if you read this whole chapter, and I didn't want to just take all of it because many more speakers are going to be after me, and I thought they might want some of it to talk about. <laughs> so, I just, but I just want to point out to us that what we've read so far in this chapter talks of how close that he wants us to be with him and how close he wants to be with us. You know, 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 says, As it is written... For what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived, what Yahweh has prepared for those who love Him. It's one of the most precious scriptures in the in the in the scriptures, and that actually comes from Isaiah. But Paul was quoting that. So we have not our ear has not heard, and our eye has not seen the things that He plans for us. And that is, if uh, if we give ourselves an opportunity for a glorious future. And if we can get out of this life as faithful servants of the Most High, then we know that all things work together for good to them that love Yahweh. And uh, the last scripture that I will read is from Timothy. It was Paul writing again. I very much love the writings of Paul. He gave us information that no one else gave us. And, of course, he uh, says and tells us about his education. He was taken out into the... Wilderness and evidently Yeshua educated him 
on all of the things that were to come. But I would like to read here, Paul was, was an old man, and uh, most of you have read this, but it's, it's, it's almost too good not to read again. He said, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which Yahweh, the righteous, or that's Yahshua, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. But notice this, Paul was speaking of himself, but he goes on to include, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In other words, everyone that's looking forward to the coming kingdom of Yahweh, you also, he says, can be included. And so let's, let's remember that Yahweh did form us and he wants a close relationship with, with us. And uh, he's doing his part. He's watching us closely. So let's do our part and follow him closely. Thank you.